This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm your host, Frank Proctor. Here, no, you're uh, not the host. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the first time I've done that. That is the first time. You've been time wanting I've... to do that for three years. Well, that's true. but It's I, the not, takeover. I know Not overtly. You. I was trying to covertly do that. <laughs> well, that and was I've blown overt. my cover. <laughs> I've blown my cover. Oh, Lord love a duck. Uh, yeah, here we are. <laughs> Here we are on the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. I am simply a lackey. I am the undergardener, the sous chef of the garden. Correct. And, and don't uh, forget it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I shall give out the phone numbers, as is my wont. Uh, here are the numbers to call folks to talk to Charlie uh, and ask your garden questions. Okay. In Toronto, 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province, toll free one 740 Four seven forty. Well, we've got a. That uh, was a good start. Yeah, thank. Uh, no, oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to. Oh, I've got to take this call. I've got to. I know. I I heard that he was going to be calling in. Uh, hello, is this who I think it is? Oh, oh, oh. hello, little Frankie Proctor. Oh, 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 oh. oh, Santa, it's so good that you would call it. Well, I wanted to wish a very Merry Christmas to my friend there, Charlie Dobbin. Oh, oh, oh. I remember her as a little girl. Oh, oh, oh. Always I, nice, oh, never naughty. Charlie, oh, I remember in your teens I had to leave several lumps of coal. <laughs> you know, of course, I'm coming to Toronto tomorrow, and I'm bringing Mrs. Claus with me, too. Excellent. Oh, oh, oh. Good and to hear. Have you been a good little girl all year, Charlie? Always. Oh, that's good. You know, Mrs. Claus, every Saturday morning, she turns on AM 740 and <laughs> loves listening to you. And she doesn't mind little Frank either. Oh, 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 <laughs> you know, it's amazing how big, big our signal is. It goes it, it, all the way to the North Pole. The way to the North Pole. That's... I have a special radio, of course. You know, <laughs> I think tomorrow uh, Mrs. Claus might be speaking to me again. We had a little trouble yesterday. Oh, hmm. what what happened, uh, Santa? What when, what's, what was going wrong? Oh, well, she was doing some cleaning, a little dusting, and she took the Christmas cactus off the mantelpiece, put it on a chair, and forgot to put it back. And I sat on it. We've been up all night picking out the you know what. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I'm glad wanted, you can laugh about I it. I just Santa. well, yes, I'm just bumming around here on a Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> now you have a wonderful show, Mrs. Claus says. Get off the phone, Nick. She wants to talk to the listeners, not you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Santa. Thank you very much for calling in. Goodbye, little Frankie. Goodbye, Santa. Goodbye, Charlie. <laughs> 
There he goes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is incredible, you know, the, the sound quality. I know. Uh, it was like he was right clear. here. Just, exactly. Exactly. That, uh, what great transmission. Oh, well, he's, he's got, got a special phone. Special phone. That's hey, what it is. You know, um, speaking of Santa Claus coming tomorrow to yeah. Toronto to mm-hmm. do, for the Santa Claus parade, yeah. I might just catch some of that. I'll be down in the area. I, my daughter and I are going to the ballet. Oh. And the Performing Arts Center is right on the corner where the Santa Claus Parade goes by. You know, well, my wife, as you know, used to be with the National Ballet uh, uh, when she was she, 16. There you uh, go. Was there in the, in the course for two years. Oh, nice. And I've always, always wanted to ask her a question. I felt embarrassed, but I can ask you this. You being a ballet student, as it were. As it were. Uh, Ballet uh, ballerinas always stand on their tippy toes, right? right? You know, right. Why don't they just hire taller dancers? That's what I want to know. <laughs> but, 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 no, there you go. No, as yeah. long as it's uncomfortable, they do it in ballet. <laughs> yeah, That's got the it. way it works. Okay, what are we doing on the show today? Uh, well, we have a couple of quick announcements. One is, remember last week, Irene called from Oshawa, and she was wondering where she could get a hold of the shamrocks. We were talking about oxalis or sham, false shamrocks uh-huh. last week on the show. So I, you know, she just said she was having trouble finding them in the Oshawa area. Couple of suggestions. One is, you know, around St. Patrick's. So March, when they're typically in the stores, I'd be looking at places like uh, Van Bell's or Vandermeer's mm-hmm. in Ajax or Sheridan Nursery in Whitby is likely to carry the false shamrock, properly known as Oxalis triangularis. Um, I will tell you though that I also learned. They do require bright or um, a direct sunlight that is supplemented with a cool indoor temperature. About 60 degrees is what they want to be kept at for, you know, best growth and best flowering. If they get into a real hot indoor temperature over the winter, as in, you know, um, sort of 80 degrees and more, they take on a very tired appearance. Ah. Can you imagine that? A tired plant. So what happened? Droopy, exactly. They get droopy and sort of scraggly and pale and all that sort of stuff. So cooler is better during the day. Uh, So, of course, average potting soil, good drainage, allow the soil Mm -hmm. to dry out between waterings. And remember that the mature plants, even the young plants, are are cut back in the spring. Mm. That's one of the ways you rejuvenate them is you just cut them all back in the spring and then they you know, put them outside for the summer. They grow back. And if you want to share them with your friends, there's little bulbs there under the soil. Oh, and you cool. can separate and propagate that way. Very good. And I have information about the Toronto Botanical Gardens Holiday Open House, but I think I'll save that for a little later in the show because I think we don't we have to do a break. Yes, we do have to take a little break here, but we shall return to the calls. And Christina, our producer, has been busy lining up all the calls. I see we've got a full lineup. Uh, so we'll get to you folks in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show from AM740. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, delighted to welcome you to the show here. Um, I'm speaking now uh, particularly to Donna, who's calling in from Burlington. Good morning, Donna. Good morning. Morning. Uh, I'm calling, actually, about my um, front yard, which looks like it's been uh, plowed from the grubs and the animals. And um, I'm just uh, wondering if there's anything at this point I can do. Uh, I've tried everything. I've done the two different batches of nematodes, Mm. I did um, mothballs, I've done wolf urine, 
Um, oh, really, yeah. And after the wolf urine, they decided they liked wolves, I guess, because it just <laughs> took two days and they were back at it. So I'm just wondering where to go from here. So, okay, a couple of questions. The nematodes, when did you apply nematodes? In the spring and then uh, the fall. Okay, and so in the fall as in uh, August or September? Um, the more October. Okay. <clears throat> so here's my suggestion. There's, as far as I know, virtually nothing you can do now. There are grubs there. As long as they're high enough in the surface of the soil, the skunks and raccoons can sniff them out and continue to dig for them. Uh As the weather starts to cool off, the grubs will descend down below the frost line. Okay. And at that point, the animals will stop digging because they can't uh, find them anymore. Okay. Come spring, of course, the grubs will return back to the surface and the animals will be back digging them up. Now, I know they just wreak havoc on your lawn, but they are doing a good thing by eating those grubs, believe me. So that's a good thing. And remember, those grubs, when they grow up, turn into Japanese beetles, many of them. And of course, the Japanese beetles are the ones that just eat all your roses and your Rose of Sharon and all kinds of plants. So again, the the annihilation of the grubs is good. (laughs) Um, Now, the optimal time to uh, apply the nematodes is in August, mid to late August, following your package direction. So it's all about a mo- having moisture in the soil, watering if necessary to get those little nematode eggs to hatch. Mm-hmm. And once those little nematode eggs hatch, and assuming that you've put the... Um, when you applied the nematodes, you applied them in an area where you knew you had had grubs in the past, because yeah. it's very likely wherever you end up with grubs, it's because there's an optimal location for eggs to get laid in that in that area. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you're going to apply the nematodes, you go back and that's where you put them, because likely that's where there's grubs again. Because all the nematodes are going to do, they're tiny, eh? and they're, they need to come in contact with a grub. As soon as they do, they very happily latch onto them and proceed to chew them up so okay. it all works really nicely okay. um, but that's the trick if you like too late in the season the nematodes won't hatch and in spring the soil is too cool so again the nematode eggs do not hatch okay and they're expensive to buy so better to to use them when like at an optimal time when you're going to truly be successful because they it does work but timing is everything okay okay all right well i'll give that a go in the spring all right good luck with very that. good donna thank you very much for calling the garden show phone numbers 416-360-0740 and then anywhere in to, uh, anywhere in the province for that matter 1-866-744-740 and next on the line rochelle calling in from toronto good morning rochelle yes good morning morning um i have uh something funny happen because i let I, I have a friend who does the heavy gardening for me, mm-hmm. and we talked about my miniature Japanese barberry, mm-hmm. which is quite lovely, and we talked about it, and I said, I really hate, it's getting tall, and I really hate to cut these lovely uh, leaves off. It's such a pretty color. Mm-hmm. and. Away I went, and next thing I knew, uh, my lovely helper had pruned everything off the bottom so that it looks like a lollipop shape now, just a bare stick, and uh, and then the foliage on top of that. And I have a feeling that that's not going to, that that's going to just make the bush grow even taller, Mm -hmm. that it it really has to be pruned off the top. Mm-hmm. 
is there anything I can do to get, is, is that bush going to put out more branches on the bottom or has it, you know, become disheartened? Um, well, tell me, um, right now, is it just got the one stem or one branch going yes. straight up? Yes. Hmm. And you don't know what, what the name of this barbary is, do you? The cultivar I'm name? Sorry, I, I had the tag. Roughly um, how tall is it? It's, uh, well, it's, I bought it as a miniature, so it's about, I would say, three and a half feet tall now. Okay, and it's probably got purple leaves. Yes, yes, okay. absolutely stunning. Variegated, you know. Yeah, the pinky, purple, white. Yeah. Okay, sounds like, I mean, yeah, there's been several new Barberies out in the market in the last few years. The one that kind of was the big splashy one that is so beautiful, actually, and I have one in my garden. It was about 12 or 13 years ago when it came on the scene. It's called uh, Ro- Rosy Glow, I think is what's called. Yes. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, and the, the natural form of that Barbary is almost like a waterfall. So it's got usually multi-stems from the base that go up as much as, you know, three, four feet, but then they kind of cascade into that waterfall or fountainy sort of a look. Mm-hmm. Lovely plant, as you point out. The, the new growth is bright and variegated. The older growth is, is a deeper purple. And then at this time of year, or in the last month or so, little tiny fruits, like little orange. They're, they're just great. Bright orange, almost like little decorations yeah. hanging on every branch. So well, if it's... They're, they're single berries, but mm-hmm. they're, they're not, uh, they're not um, groups. No, that's right, but they they run all the way along the stem so that there's like just sort of cascading from the the branches. Like a string of pearls. Almost, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, what I would do, if it's been pruned right down to the ground, um, and it's got one stem with some leaves and a bit of branching on the top, I would leave it alone for the winter. Don't touch it now. Next spring, early in the season, what I think you'll find is that new growth will start from the, the bottom. You will see some new little um, stems start to grow from the base. Okay. When they start to grow, once you know they get up an inch or so, take a look. What you're going to ultimately want to do is remove the, the stem that's been left, the tall with the, the poofy um, top on it. That's going to come out, and the whole plant is going to start again from the base. So it's going to be very small to start, but don't remove that main stem that's been left behind until you've got some new growth started. Right. Well, I think it only ever was a single stem, so that she denuded the stem, the single branch. Right. Well, um, I, I didn't take a close look at yeah, it. Yeah, you know. I... Give us a call in the spring if if you don't see, because at the end of the day, what you do want is you want to get multi-stems from the base. Yeah. So yeah. rather than having a single stem, like it should, it shouldn't ever be just a single stemmed plant. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, give us a call in the spring. Y- yeah. Y- to force some of that growth from the base, you are going to have to remove the top, but don't do it yet. Wait, wait like I say, wait till probably May and oh. that'll be the optimal time to remove the top, thus encouraging side branching. Will it be in, in leaf by May? It depends on the kind of spring we're having, but it <laughs> often is uh, in, yeah, I mean, it, it comes out fairly early. Uh, I'm trying to think, yeah. Okay. Early Why? May, not yet, but by mid-May, usually it's in full leaf. 
Okay, thank you so, so much. All right. Okay, thank you, Rochelle. Thanks, Rochelle. Good yeah, luck that's that. too bad. Uh, a bit of a problem there, and we'll have to wait till spring to see how it all turned out. Yeah. Uh, well, here in the garden show, we have to take a little bit of a pause for the cause, and the cause is... See ya, Rosilla. I'm doing my exercises <laughs> right now. I see that. Look at I'm just, you. I'm just doing some, some push-ups in the air. <clears throat> push-ups yeah. in the air. In the I see air. you. Yeah, I'm, just... I'm pretending I'm holding a barbell. Oh, a gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Chin-ups, I think those are called. Yep. There we go. Oh, right. Oh, Yo, pushing up. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, so why is Frank doing this? Good question. He, he feels so good because he takes Sierra Sil every day. And for most people, they do feel better in 14 days. Not everybody. And if you, you don't feel better, you get your money back. Uh, your money back and yeah. the shipping costs for, for the Sierra Sil that you may have purchased over the web. Now, remember, Sierra Sil does come from Vancouver. Actually, I was looking at their website. They have a really cute little video on the making of Sierra Sil. Oh, really? Yeah, I so they, check that out. yeah, it shows a grinding the because it's it's just a really fine mineral that comes from the Sierra Mountains. That's right, and mm-hmm. it's ground really, really fine, and then it's encapsulated, and then of course it's bottled and labeled, et cetera, et cetera. So they've got about a four-minute video on the whole process of the little capsules getting stuffed full and the bottles getting filled. It's very cute. Yeah, tiny little people putting exactly, the, yeah, little exactly. tiny, yeah. putting on labels. <laughs> and so bottom line, both Frank and I take Sierra Sil, and that's what allows us to stay active with no aches, no pains, uh, no stiffness whatsoever. So if you want more information. Check them out on the web, sierrasill.ca, or give them a call, one eight seven seven joint 14 or pick up Sierra Sill at many of the health food stores. For example, the Health Planet stores, they have five locations, North York, Pickering, Markham, Mississauga, and Scarborough, and they carry Sierra Sill. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And I'm the old sous chef, Frank Proctor. Nice You're to be along. Old. I know, I know I'm not old. I just sometimes. You're the cheerful I'm sous the chef. cheerful guy. Yeah. Saying hi to Leonard in Niagara Falls. Do you feel the mist where you are? Yeah, hi, Leonard. Good morning. Uh, I have a question for Charlie with regard to uh, moss. Mm-hmm. Growing on, starting to grow on my carpeting on the, on top of the deck. Got a solution to getting rid of that? So the deck must be in a lot of shade. Pardon? The deck must be in a lot of shade. No, it's it's wide open sunlight. Wide no, open weird. sunlight and moss is growing. Yep, around the edges. Okay, now is this this is an indoor outdoor carpet? It is out indoor outdoor carpeting. Yes. Yeah, it is designed to be outside. Sorry? The carpet is designed for outdoor use? Yes. Because whenever moss grows on uh, fabric outside, uh, you know what I'd do? I'd make up a solution of bleach, bleach and water. Bleach and water? Yep. And, uh, and I wouldn't do it now necessarily. You might want to wait till the spring. But either that or replace the carpet. It seems odd for moss to grow in a sunny location. So there must be a lot of moisture being held below the carpet in the under the deck, perhaps, because it's the moisture that's uh, encouraging the growth of the moss. What kind of uh, backing is on that carpet? Do you know? Is it a rubber kind of backing, or or just the uh, rubber backing? Yeah, rubber backing. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, because usually, you know, when the carpets are sold for outdoor use, they come with, you know, some kind of a spray that uh, makes them kind of anti-moss <laughs> growing. <laughs> very, so, very handily put. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I would use bleach. Like bleach will make the environment one in which the moss can't grow. That's what I would do. Leonard. Yes. Try bleach in the spring. Okay, in oh, the spring. Yep. I wouldn't okay. bother with it now. Now, another question I have. How do you give it oh, a squirrel? I'm sorry, uh, oh. Leonard. We, we only have, I forgot to give him a little mantra here, and that's my fault. Uh, one question per call. But, okay. hey, call back again, and okay. you, you'll get through again most likely. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Yeah, we have to kind of give up uh, uh, another question in order for us to say good morning to uh, Valerie. Uh, Valerie, yes, in Markdale there, of course. Good Hello. morning. Hi, good morning. Morning. Um, I was wondering, how do you grow... Anemones. Anemones from the bulb? Or talk to me about what kind of an, an, an anemones you're looking for or looking to grow. Hello? Hello? Valerie, what kind of anemones? Um, the, for zone eight. Right. And have, did you, do you have them in the form of a little tiny, almost like a nut, like a hard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a star-shaped. Yeah. All right, so it's called Anemone Blanda, B-L-A-N-D-A, if you wanted to look it up in a book or it's on decaying, the... It's decaying, I think. Pardon? It's decaying, S-Y-L-P-H-I-D-E. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you wanted to look it up on the web or in a book, that's okay. the, the name you could look it up under. Um, however, how, how you would grow them if you own them now is, first of all, you soak them overnight mm-hmm. in water. Just room temperature water. Pop the little, they're, they're dr- like dried up little corms is what they are. So you let them sit in a, in a little saucer of water overnight. The ne- following day, you pot them up into pots with potting soil and, uh, and put them in a sunny window. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard thing about those is to get them to actually break out of dormancy, and that's why we soak them overnight beforehand. Put them in a sunny window where it's warm, Water just once because you you can rot the little the little corms if you water too much. Give them a couple of days. You may find that just even putting a piece of plastic wrap over top of okay. the pot will help with some moisture um, humidity because again you're just trying to get them to break dormancy. Once they break dormancy, they're just like having a little house plant. They'll just grow up and of course beautiful flowers if uh, you know when they're in that sunny location on your window ledge. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Valerie. Okay, bye. Thank you. You're listening to The Garden Show here on AM740, Zoomer Radio. And, of course, our Master Gardener, Charlie Dobbin, will answer your questions. And you can call in at 416-360-0740 or anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And next on the line, it's Irene calling in from Oshawa. Good morning, Irene. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Uh, I called you last week about the uh, four-leaf clover, the oxalis with the pink flower. Yes. And you were going to see if you could check up and find out where they might be available. I haven't seen them for years in the stores, and uh, and I've been trying to find them again. Okay, so Irene, actually, right at the top of the show, mm-hmm. I did actually address this question for you, but I guess you weren't listening at that oh, point. Oh, I would know. I guess I might have been sort of down the hall yeah, at that moment. No problem. Um, the, they are available uh, through the flower auction, so I think that they actually are in the stores. It's oh. just a timing thing. 
Whereabouts did you say they're coming from? Uh, they're coming probably out of Florida, but the um, the flower auction is the place where most people get most retailers buy their flowers from. Uh-huh. And whether it's Loblaws or Sobeys or any of the grocery stores that carry flowers, potted flowers, and also cut flowers, but in this case, it's a potted plant you're looking for. Uh, but it is going to be around St. Patrick's Day that you're going to find them. That's when they're usually for sale. Yeah, that's when you usually see the the white flowered ones. But I haven't seen the uh, the pink flowered ones anywhere for a few years now. Yeah, well, um, keep just keep your eyes peeled because, like I said, I from my experience at Canada Blooms where I. Uh, purchase and bring in, you know, hundreds of thousands of plants. Right. I always am able to get either purple or green shamrocks at in March through the auction, the flower auction. Now you could. Do you have? Um, see, I'm thinking Vandermeers in Ajax or Sheridan Nursery in Whitby. If there's these are places that you go to with any regularity. No, those are two I never have gone. I usually go like to grocery stores and, and other nurseries nearby here in Oshawa. But if they're over in Ajax and Whitby, I should take a trip over there perhaps and see if they've got or even phone them. Exactly. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Phone them in advance or even phone them in February, early March and just say, are you going to get them? You know, right. try and get some purple ones for me. Like, I'll come buy them. Uh, and because they can get them. They are out there. Okay, that's Alrighty. great. Thank you very much for your help. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling again, Irene. Welcome. All righty. Hey, there. You helped somebody out there. A couple of months wait, and then that phone call to the uh, places you've mentioned. All right. Uh, hey, uh, Jerry is on the line from Brighton, Ontario. Lovely, uh, lovely little town there. Good morning, Jerry. Yes, how you doing, Frank? Good, and, thanks. Uh, hi, Charlie. Good morning. Uh, my question today is, uh, this year seems to be a very heavy year for pine needles around the Brighton area. And um, I've taken them all, i got three or four pine trees around me, and I've raked up all the pine needles and put them in my garden. Now, I'm using them for mulch on my raspberries, and they work very good there. Now, I wondered, should, am I able to dig these into my garden and then plant my regular vegetables? you think they would... Uh, help uh, grow the vegetables? Well, keep in mind what uh, is in a pine needle. Uh, because you're right, they are something you uh, want to keep on the property and use as a mulch or as a good organic material. But as p- pine needles uh, decompose, they do lower the pH of the surrounding environment. So I would be just a little hesitant to put a lot of pine needles in any one spot without doing some pH testing of the soil first. You don't want to lower your soil pH so far down that it's very difficult for things like tomatoes or peppers or carrots to grow. Okay. However, do you have on your property uh, any blueberries or hydrangeas or magnolias, um, rhododendrons? azaleas, because all of these are plants that like a lower pH and would be thrilled to bits to have an inch or two of pine needles put around the base of them. Okay. I, I'm, um, I'm Actually, I tried them on um, putting them in, under my apple tree, but the, that didn't work too good because they didn't seem to do much there, like for a mulch. It's, they didn't, um, so I, I stopped that, but I've, I've tried them with the raspberries, and they work good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, well, I, I don't guess know, it, is there any other, um, like, I've got also uh, red currants and black currants, and mm-hmm. I wondered if it would be good for uh, to mix in the soil or just use as a mulch for those. 
Yeah, with any with the shrubs like the currants, they're quite shallow rooted, so you don't want to do a lot of digging right around the shrubs. But right. absolutely, no, nothing wrong with sort of a half an inch of pine needles around the currants, and like you said, around the raspberries. Right. Fine. Just be careful that you're not putting an inch or two. You know, you don't want to put too oh, gee, much of I, any I, one I, thing. Almost three or four inches or something. Yeah. But you think that's too heavy? Uh, I think it's too heavy without doing a soil test for pH first. Okay. Well, they seem to, the raspberries seem to love it. Like I, I had last year, like this year is really heavy uh, pine needle fall. But you, you, I've got almost, uh, you know, a foot, a foot yeah. of them lying around that I could yeah. use, but I, I didn't want to put too many on. Well, that's it. You don't want to put too many in any one spot. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a light layer throughout the garden, but I would hesitate to put more than a light layer just okay. because of what you can do to the pH. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for thanks, your call. Uh, thanks for calling, uh, Jerry, from a uh, beautiful town, as mentioned, Brighton. It's a really beautiful town. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, Jerry was saying that so much pine needle drop this year. So it's just worth mentioning that, you know, the way it works with evergreens, we call them evergreens, like they're green forever, but they aren't really. Like, they also drop leaves, which in the case of needles, evergreens yeah. are usually needles. They drop them, too. They just don't drop them in the... Like, they don't drop them every year, the way our maples and everything else does. Typically, a pine needle lasts for three years. So, in its third year... That's when it's reached its the end of its life and the needles drop. So it's very normal to have yellowing inside a pine tree or a cedar, uh-huh. even now, a spruce. Do, does that grow back? Or? Well, it's the older, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the older, mature needles yeah. that drop. Okay. And of course, out on the tips is where all the new stuff is growing. Right. So yeah. yeah, I mean, you continue to get the growth out on the tips, and you see that falling from within. Uh, any of the evergreens do drop at some point. But you take it back three years and say, okay, so three years ago, there was obviously a lot of growth. I mean, that's what it is, right? It's all just kind of, that's why we keep journals and we track the weather and stay on top of what's going on. Because you look at a summer like we just had with all the, the hot, the heat and the drought, the plants, all the plants, unless they were very well irrigated, wouldn't have grown as much this year as it the year before where we had a lot of rain. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Right. So yeah. three years ago, we obviously had a good growing season, and it's just completely normal. Well, for sometimes you do know what drop. you're talking about. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, you for that. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, my pleasure, uh, honestly. <laughs> the Trouty Dobbin Garden Show here uh, from AM740. As we say hi to Tony in St. Catharines. Hey, Tony. Good morning. Am I on the line? You are on the line. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Um, my question is very similar to what the gentleman just before was talking about. I've been digging my leaves from um, a, a small leaf linden and a plane tree into my vegetable patch every year for about the last six years in the hope that it would lighten up the soil. It doesn't seem to be doing that. So do you think it's having an adverse effect? And what do you feel that I should be doing? Right now, the soil is, is still quite heavy. As in clay-like? Almost clay-like, yeah. Hmm. Mind you, I did dig very deep at one time, and I did bring up a lot of heavy soil, right. which is now, which I'm now trying to kind of spread around on, 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 you know, two or three inches below the surface. Right. So that no, that's a really good point. What you're doing is great. Continue to do the leaves. However, don't work so hard. Don't dig it so deep. You oh. you can't really win. Uh, you, you get um, now. Do you think that those leaves again will be affecting the pH? Uh, not in a negative fashion. The leaves that you're putting on will be very neutral. 
right? So, okay, that and that's good. And I've also been using compost as well when I'm digging in the leaves. Yeah, good idea. You know what? I don't even dig the leaves into my garden. I use the lawnmower to break up the leaves into smaller pieces, and mm-hmm. then I put them on the surface. Uh, the worms do all the mixing for me. I don't bother with any back-breaking labor. I just let the bugs do it. And you, you've raised another question. Where do I get worms? I don't seem to have any worms in my soil. Uh, well... You know what? It's one of those things that, the you know, if you build it, they will come. If you add leaves, the worms will come. So stop digging so hard. And okay. it, and and when you see the that, odd... That's a good message, and I appreciate your help. Thank when, you. You're very welcome. But, I was, you know, if you see the odd worm, don't hesitate to pick it up and take it home. You know? It will propagate. Well, exactly. I, you know, they come out, you know, when it rains yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. really, really wet and all the worms come up on the surface because they're like drowning down in the soil. I was thinking of importing some from the UK because <laughs> they have nice big fat worms in the UK. Well, you can have some nice big fat worms too. It's just a matter of encouraging them. So, yeah, stop all that digging. Let they, you'll be surprised how many worms will come. And, you know, the robins, like it's all kind of one of those eco things. You've got to get the birds, you get the bugs, you get everything working together. Um, and, yeah, don't work so hard. Just put those leaves on the surface. Okay, I appreciate what you're saying. Thank you very much. Thanks, okay, Tony. Tony thanks Bye-bye. for joining us here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Boy, i got a busy show going here. Uh, Gloria on the line from Lindsay. Good morning, uh, Gloria. Welcome to the show. How are you two today? Great. Excellent. Good morning. Good morning. I have a flowering maple, uh, pink flowers on it. It has just done wonderful. It's got about three feet high, very bushy, very healthy. I cut it back um, to make slips to pass on to friends and neighbors. They have all blossomed. Everybody's been very happy with the slips that were passed on. My main one now is back uh, probably close to a foot high, and there's not a blossom on it. Oh. <laughs> it's just because of the time of year. It's oh. I, Remember, okay, just to be clear, a flowering maple, what we commonly refer to as a flowering maple is not really a maple. It just, the leaf looks like That's a maple. Right. Uh, the proper name is abutilon, and abutilon is uh, a tropical plant, so you're absolutely correct to uh, have it inside and taking cuttings and sharing with your friends is fine. But remember, days getting shorter. I, when did you take all those cuttings? Oh, I think we've I oh, think we've lost the uh, the caller online. Glory. All right, well, just hopefully she's still listening. But um, uh, assume it sounds like she was successful with taking her cuttings and getting them rooted up and giving them to the friends. And now her plant is not flowering. But I would assume and think that it's because the days are getting shorter. <clears throat> the plant is fine. It's just a little going to be a little green plant. Keep mm. it in a sunny location. Uh, it will either start to flower again soon or definitely start to flower again by February, March, as the days get longer. Okay. Okay. And, uh, uh, well, you know, it's coming down the line, too, uh, in the weather department, snow uh, eventually no. will. Uh, well, it will. It's Ten degrees and, today. Well, I'm I'm just warning people in advance to get going on Sierra Sill because that's going <laughs> to help you when you pick up that shovel and clear out the driveway. That's right. Or, or get your wife to do off it. Off the you front know? porch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least try and go out and walk through all that snow. Yeah. Right, right. So Sierra Sill, Frank, you are too much. Sierra Sill is a absolutely natural mineral supplement that both Frank and I take to keep our aches and stiffness at bay. Uh, It works like a charm for us. We have no pain and we're able to maintain all kinds of activities. Frank, I always joke about him being a kickboxer and of course you should see him doing his exercise in the studio all the time. You can't slow him down. He's just a (laughs) non-stop guy. So, um, 
For more information on Sierra Sill, uh, they do have a website, sierrasill.ca. They have a 1-877-JOINT-14 phone number for more information. Or pick up Sierra Sill at Noah's Natural Foods, uh, Eglinton & Young and St. Clair & Young and Bloor Street, all in Toronto. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. On this uh, November 17th, we've got a busy show going. Charlie Dobbin answering the questions. Well, being a master gardener, she can. Uh, And so (laughs) we're going to progress and get along to, uh, oh, right there uh, on Lake Erie, uh, Crystal Beach. And Lynn Mm. is calling in. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, folks. Morning. How are you both? Good. And everyone else. (laughs) I wanted to tell you that at Value Village, or not Value Village, Value Mart, Mm -hmm. which is a store. I think it's in pretty well every community. I know it's in Nargon the Lake also. Mm -hmm. They have the pink shamrock um, plants every shamrock day. Every St. Patrick's. So does Food Basics. Oh, there you go. Or Cobran, all these different places. So I'm sure in your area it would be exactly the The same. same. Okay, so that's good. So hopefully Irene is listening because it was a caller from Oshawa who said she was having trouble finding the pink flower, purple-leaved shamrock. So you've certainly seen them at some of those places. Oh, I buy them all the time. My mom's in a nursing home, and I get her both, the white and the pink, and they last for years. Yeah, exactly. And that's right in March, usually, that you're seeing them, because that's when we usually see them. Absolutely. The windows at the grocery store are full of them. Oh, there you go. All right. Well, like I said, thanks, Lynn, and hopefully Irene is hearing that. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for calling. I need to ask you where to get Sierra Sill in the Niagara area. Oh, nobody uh, can find well, it. Well, in in St. Catharines, it's available at the Peanut Mill. Mm-hmm. That's oh. at Welland and um, wait, I've got it here Ge- somewhere. I can look. Geneva, yeah, I, uh, Geneva. Okay. Welland and Geneva. One nine one Welland Avenue. Oh, Welland Avenue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks so much about that. No problem. You're very welcome. And hopefully, everybody will have a pretty pink. Hug. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Bye for now. Thanks, Lynn. Yeah. Bye. Very friendly sounding voice there yeah. too, huh? Yeah. That's the way we like to hear. Happy That's people. Right. Happy. Nine forty-seven. The time here on a good Saturday morning. I mean, as far as temps are concerned, boy, it's going to be a great weekend. Sun is shining. Yep. I know. Last weekend was amazing. Eh? Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Eighteen degrees. I was in my t-shirt uh doing my my finishing the putting the garden to bed last sunday yeah. remember i told you i was gonna be up yeah, from dawn yeah, yeah. till dusk i was <laughs> <laughs> and elliot didn't help elliot again did come out and oh, empty one of the composters oh, so okay. that was good that helped me All but right. i'm still not quite done i still have a bit to do <laughs> so but it's good because you know the weather's really holding up and today's going to be gorgeous yeah i bet your things are bobbing right along in bob cajun too uh, jim is on the line from bob cajun hello hi there morning good morning um my question is regarding apple trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have two apple trees that we planted in the backyard just off the patio primarily for shade because our backyard faces south and east, so it gives us some shade in the morning. And um, every year they seem to be attacked by something, mm-hmm. and uh, all through the growing season the leaves sort of drop intermittently, and then when they, uh, you know, the, the trees, they, they blossom and they bear fruit. But it seems like every one of the apples has a little hole drilled into it, mm-hmm. and there's a worm in it. Right. 
maggots. So what can I do to uh, stop oh, that from happening? So tell me something. How big are these trees? Well, they're, they're, we bought them when we moved in here. Um, they're, they're about seven years old. We bought mm-hmm. them from a nursery when they were about um, three, four feet high, and now they're about, um, I would guess, about five. I'm just looking at Five, ten, they're about 10 to 12 feet high now. Right, so they're probably semi-dwarf apples then. Yeah, they're uh, golden delicious. Oh, nice. Are they both the same? Yes. They're both golden delicious? <clears throat> Interesting. Yes. So there must be other apples or crab apples in the neighborhood because typically we never plant the same apples side by side. We always want to mix up our varieties because of the requirements for cross-pollination between yeah. the, the varieties. Well, they seem to be getting pollinated. Okay? Yeah, we have they must be. We have flowering crabs like out in the yeah. front yard. Yeah, and I don't know if that helps or not. But well, anyway, yeah, clearly if you get like fruit, to eliminate these little worms, whatever they are. All right, so you've probably, and it sounds like with the early defoliation, you may have some apple scab as well. So the trick with any of the fruit trees is they are very susceptible to many insects and many diseases. Right. The uh, you know sort of common sense tells us that if a tree can produce fruit that's as tasty as an apple, you know that uh, that entire tree tastes pretty good. You know, there's a lot of sugar moving through that that entire tree, and insects know that, and they come from miles to to lay their eggs and hatch their young in such a perfect environment. Your job to have healthy fruit is to be right on top of protecting the plant from some of those nasty little insects taking advantage of your apple tree. So there is something called dormant spray. Right. Dormant spray is something you'll buy at a local garden center or even at a Canadian Tire or Home Depot. It's two. It, it's a kit. So there's two different items, two liquids. One is oil, horticultural oil. The other is lime sulfur. Follow the instructions. You're going to mix the oil, the lime sulfur, some water together early in the spring. You're going to spray these plants thoroughly till they're dripping before they have any leaves on them. So they're still going to be dormant. They, right. um, but the requirements are that, of course, it will be above zero. There will be no wind that day and no rain in the forecast for 24 hours. And that oil spray and that lime sulfur will kill o- insects that may have overwintered right on the surface of the plant and any fungal spores that may be there. And then you're going to stay on top of monitoring the plants for um, any uh sort of bugs that arrive and again start taking advantage back in the day we used to use quite a lot of sprays that we no longer use on our apple trees so now it takes some very um very serious monitoring of what's going on but it all starts with dormant spray early in the spring okay but you know is there anything you can buy like in the summer like you can't buy much anymore not much there uh if you suspect fungal diseases there's a product called serenade that you can use on apple trees uh and if you suspect insects like you're seeing pieces missing out of the leaves or any kind of chomping going on your oil horticultural oil can be sprayed alone in the summer again as a as a way to control insects so one other question we live in by i'm sorry uh, the area we're Jim, right on top of a Jim, pile of limestone. Oh, okay. Jim, I'm sorry. We, we can't take two questions from okay. the caller. It's only All one. Right. Qu- call back if you can, okay? That's okay just thanks. being fair. Thank you very much uh, for, for appreciating Bye. that. Uh, 9.52. We want to get a little note in before we take our next little break here, Charlie. Yes, I was just going to uh, tell everybody about the Toronto Botanical Gardens Holiday Open House. Ah. 
You might remember a couple of years ago, I was uh, asked to decorate a wreath for the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Yeah, it was kind of a celebrity thing. Mm-hmm. Myself, Linda Reeves, I think Dennis Flanagan was involved that year. We all decorated wreaths and uh, they were auctioned off. Well, this year, <coughs> excuse me, as part of the holiday open house, the wreath auction is back, but it's the horticultural societies that are being asked to decorate. Oh, I bet they'll be dandy then. I was going to say, so there's going to be some pretty good competition there. I was at the Riverdale Horticultural Society this past week, uh, speaking to them about putting their gardens to bed, and uh, they will be, the the entire Mm -hmm. society will be getting together, they're having a big wreath decorating event, and they're going to put together this wreath that is going to be part of the auction. So mark your calendars. The date for all of this is, I can't even see the date on this little tiny piece of paper I've got. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) goodness. It's here somewhere. It's November the, I think it's the 20. Open house, what is it? Oh, gee whiz. I'm I'm looking down here, too, and I can't see it. Oh, that's hilarious. You've got everything but the... Everything but the date on there. I know. It's, you know what, it's November. I think it's 27th, but it is funny that it's not there. Yeah. Well, okay, it's well, somebody anyway, can go online to find holiday out. Holiday open house, and we'll give, come back with a date. It is in the in the evening. It's um, the ultimate winter container off at 7.30 p.m. Uh, there is admission for non-members of Toronto Botanical Gardens, but it is free to members, so there's a good reason to be a member. And, yes, this is very funny. I will get the date, and we'll come back and tell you more about that. All right, and a little note to Charlie. I'm writing. Do your homework. Uh, All righty, and we'll be back in just a moment with Charlie, who'll have herself together by then. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And I'm the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, as we go back to the lines now, Don in Dunville. Hey, good morning, Don. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. I listen to your show all the time, whenever I can. But my problem right now is, well, not a problem, but we've got a um, rose tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd like to know how I can... Uh, what do I have to do to keep it over the winter? So this is what we would call a standard rose. It's like a single stem, straight up yep. out of the ground, with a, a kind of a ball-shaped bush up on top of that stem. That's right. Lovely. And now, is it in the ground or in a pot? It's in the ground. And you just planted it this past summer. That's right. So, you really are a bit of a sucker for punishment, aren't you? <laughs> well, it's a really lovely plant, but they are a bit tricky to overwinter. The reason why is because it is a grafted rose, so, and the graft is way up above four feet off the ground, where that bush is attached to the stem. Of course, the graft is the most sensitive part of the entire plant and needs to be protected for the winter. You have a couple of options. One would be to dig up the entire plant, put it in a pot, and then put it into a place like an unheated shed or garage where it can be kept cold, but, you know... Protected from the wind. Yeah, protected Mm -hmm. from extreme cold. So that's option one. Option two, and this is a bit hard to to describe on on the radio, but... The way it's recommended that if you want to keep that rose in the same spot in the garden, because you love it and it's beautiful, assuming you have an area on one side of this plant where you can actually dig a trench, 
in the ground, the the length of the trench would represent the height of the rose standard rose tree. You would dig this trench, you hopefully would make it about two feet deep and whatever, you know, three or four feet long. Then you'd go to the opposite side of your standard rose. You sever the roots on that side with your sharp shovel. You then tilt the rose down into the trench where, of course, the roots have been severed, so now it'll tilt over, but only on the one side did you sever anything. But you tilt it toward where Mm -hmm. the, the roots are still intact. And then you get somebody to hold it down while you put a bunch of soil and straw and leaves and everything else on top of the rose that's in the trench. And then you leave it like that for the winter. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. And then in the spring, you uncover and you stand the whole thing back up. And, and you it will grow it roots on the other side again. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, but it is a fair amount of work to do that. And it's, it works perfectly if you've got a place to do that tilting over into. And, you know, you're able to, to dig that trench uh, deep enough and get the whole thing down under. I could maybe do that. Uh, that, in fact, that's the one thing I thought maybe I would do. What about would it uh, survive in the gazebo? Is the gazebo uh, so? It's like a wooden screened-in gazebo, or is it a glassed-in? It's glassed-in. Okay, and does it get a lot of sun in the winter? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, right out uh, facing south. Yeah. I'm just afraid it might get a little warm in there. I mean, it could... It would just be really a question of monitoring the temperatures. If it got really warm in there, it would have a tendency to not be dormant. It would... You know how we get real sunny days yeah. in January, February, and yeah. it would almost be like a greenhouse in that situation. However, it could potentially survive. You may just have to water it through that kind of a process. Okay, yeah, that might be... It's not that big yet. Like, I could take it and put it in a pot yeah. and put it out there. Yep. Uh, we've got a carpet on the floor in there, but uh, I tried other plants that way and it didn't survive. Because it was too cold in there, you think, or yeah. too hot and cold, maybe? Mm, yeah. Well, that is the trick. I mean, it just depends how cold it is outside for what the temperature is going to be like inside. And you will have all those extremes, because if you've got the sun beating in in the daytime, it gets quite mild. And then, of course, the sun goes down, it probably gets same temperature in the gazebo it's as it is outside. Cold overnight. Yeah. So that's kind of your challenge. If you could somehow mon- like have it so it was more moderate of temperature extremes, it would be better. You know, better to just keep it cool or, you know, cold rather than warm and then really cold. Well, what about the the garage or even the tool shed uh, that is yeah. uh, insulated? Yeah. But that's all. Well, but that was still going to be probably better because it's going to be a more moderate temperature than, say, in the gazebo where there's no insulation. Yeah. Okay. That would be my impulse. All and right. you know what? We have to well, scoot. good we, luck with that, Don. and I see where our show's over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we got to go. Yeah, we we got a, a ran on a racetrack where there, and that, here we are at the happen? finish line. Uh, <laughs> I won't be here next week, by the way, uh, oh, Charlie. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, involved in a wonderful project. It's uh, the Sea Monsters uh, display that's opening up on next Saturday nice. at 11 o'clock in the morning at the St. Catharines Museum, which is located uh, on the right on the Welland Canal. And they want me to open the uh, display of all sorts of wonderful octopi and sea monsters and all that. Octopi, I I'll love be, that. I'll That's be a good reading word. my, my uh, Christmas book, The Day the Welland Canal Monster Met Santa, so I look forward to that. All right, well, you have a good luck with that, and we'll miss you next week. Well, all righty, I miss you too, already. Thanks. And she's not even gone. <laughs> thanks <What>? for all <laughs> your good support. Thanks, Christine, and thanks to all our great callers. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.